Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, help us to see your might and your power and your glory through the words recorded here in the book of Exodus, that we might serve you and worship you truly, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's very exciting. I don't know if you got the video I sent, the link I sent through on the email this week, or if you were here last Sunday. Um, Jeff and Beth serving God in Central Asia. Well, they started off for many years finding it really tough. They were trying to improve irrigation systems. There was lots of corruption. There was lots of resistance to their work. It, it seemed to be getting nowhere, but Jeff Dillon is a dreamer. And he had a dream. There are lots of goats in this country. There are goats everywhere. It's how people sort of build up wealth in their goat herds. And some people like goat milk as a... They don't like goat milk, but they treat goat milk as having sort of medicinal healing properties. And so sometimes they'd go and they'd want a bit of goat milk for a baby, but nobody's milking their goats on a regular basis. They're drinking cow's milk. So Jeff has these things, what if we started up a goat milking farm? Now that's a great idea, Jeff. Problem is local goats aren't very good milkers. They're not made for milk. So Jeff has this dreaming away. What if I get some super like goats with udders this big from Switzerland and I get a bit of semen and we do a bit of artificial insemination and sort of breed crossbreed kids, a little bit like my kids, you know? Crossbreeds and... <laughs> And we have these Swiss Central Asian goats with udders this big and they're tough and they're hardy to survive life on the mountains in the hot summers. And so he does. And, and his herd gets bigger and bigger. Oh, there's the Central Asian goats. Sorry, so I had some stories still. There's our Central Asian goats, tough and hardy. You, you seriously, you see them everywhere if you've ever been there, just like that on the roads. But here's Jeff's super goat, super crossbreeds. Come on, internet. There's Jeff's super crossbreed breeds, hardy and full of milk. And he builds up a herd and ends up getting 240 goats. And they install milking machines and cheese-making equipment. If you saw on the video, hay sheds, chockers full of hay and feed. It becomes a whole industry out there in the back blocks of Central Asia. It's almost like Jeff's dreams have come true because it really was a dream. Prayers were answered. So impressive is this operation that the mayor, the local authorities stop resisting it and say, hey, this is too big. And the mayor gets interested. Then the local governor or the premier of the state gets interested and word makes it through to the president of the country and rumour has it the president's coming for a visit. Rumour turns into... Stronger rumours. Now, whoops, the president in this nation is the man. He is everywhere. That was put up on the farm when the president visited. There's Jeff Beth underneath it. You've got to get ready for the president's visit, so they paved the road, like dirt road, dirt road, dirt road, dirt road, tarmac. <laughs> up to the farm. They whitewashed all the buildings. They whitewashed the rusty water tank, which within a year will be rusty again. 
One week before, 10 special service officers turned up to suss out the site and make sure that all the potential threats to the president were removed. The day before, 1,000 army personnel descended upon the area. It's right next to the border of the next country. They don't get on with that country that well. So you've got to protect the president. 1,000 army personnel, journalists, cameramen, they brought the red carpet and rolled it out, literally. The perimeter was secured. They polished the milking stalls, literally. Every blade of grass was in its pace. 2 a.m. before the president's due, 200 school kids come into the farm. 200 school kids at 2 a.m. Imagine the parents. Imagine the parents. The perimeter is secured. There is no entry to that farm. Six o'clock, five helicopters turn up. You know, the double-blade Chinook-type ones. They land. Out of the last one steps El Presidento himself. Surrounded by guards. The king has come to our farm. You see, it is a big deal when the president arrives when the king turns up and pays a visit if you were to express it in the hebrew language you might say it's a situation of emmanuel melech it's the king with us now my guess is you've never heard the phrase emmanuel melech before because you don't speak hebrew neither do i but you probably have heard the similar phrase emmanuel you hear it at least probably every christmas Another Hebrew phrase, it means God with us. We like that idea, don't we, Emmanuel? We sing about it. It's kind of the heart of the gospel. That God in Christ Jesus could come to us and we can see what God is like in a form that we understand as a human. We actually get a foretaste of this Christmas idea of Emmanuel here in Exodus chapter 19. We're in this series of Israel, the people of God gathered at the mountain, at Mount Sinai. It's a massively significant moment in biblical history, in Israel's history. God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He promised he would take them out. They've been led out by this man, Moses, actually also by the Lord in a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They're led through the sea and rescued from Israel's invading armies. They're given manna and quail miraculously in the wilderness, day after day after day. They defeat the enemies who come against them, and they're brought to this mountain, which Mount Sinai, it's the same mountain that Moses was at when the Lord first appeared to him in a little burning bush, fire, holiness, holy ground, fire, burning bush, one man, God. You've got to go to Egypt. To rescue my people. Now we're back at that mountain of fire and holiness with the whole people of God. It's Emmanuel. It's God with his people at the mountain. But this is so much bigger and better than what Jeff and Beth experienced with their Emmanuelic, because this is Emmanuel, God with us. And it's all grace. Remember last time I spoke from the Exodus 19, we did this passage. 
God says, you yourselves are what I've seen, what I did to Egypt. You've seen how I've rescued it and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be for me my treasured possession. Indeed, the whole world is mine, but you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful glory. The glory of God's imminence with his people to have relationship. Nick, the farm manager in Central Asia, said this. He says, I'm amazed at God's power. Years ago, Jeff's desire, an attempt, desire was to go and see the president about an issue, about the irrigation issue, and, and he failed. Now the president comes to us. And we're just goat herders. How wonderful to have the president with us. What an honour to chat to the president, to walk with the president, to host the president. Imagine if ScoMo came and paid us a special visit. Wouldn't we feel honoured? Wouldn't we shake his hand and have a sense of, hey, the Prime Minister's with us? He's imminent. What an honour for Israel to be the Lord's treasured possession. His holy nation, his people. And more so, the Lord says here at the mountain, he says, I'm coming to you. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Moses, the mediator, and Moses told the Lord what the people had said. The Lord is coming to us. It's red carpet time. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today. Make them holy. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. And be ready by the third day. So we know what day the Lord's coming because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. It's like getting ready for the president, but it's bigger. You've got to have clean clothes. You've got to be outwardly holy, pure. You've got to be ready. You know, at Christmas we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, and we, we love that because the idea God comes to us and he desires relationship with us. So I think for most of us, as Peter was alluding in his kids' talk, most of us are quite familiar with this idea of God's imminence, that he is with us, that we can have a relationship with God, that our songs and our language often emphasise this relationship and the glory and joy of that. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. But the risk is that we become too familiar with this idea of God's imminence. The risk is we imagine an intimacy with God that is not in any way reality. And the risk is we shape God into our image so God becomes our friends created by us. He becomes an easygoing, fatherly God, a mate God, a jolly fellow. And so we so focus on intimacy and imminence that we overlook God's awesome transcendence. 
the awesome weight of his glory. We domesticate God and think thereby we can control him like we can control our puppy dog. The dog, God's a dog and not a cat. We end up with an insipid and soft God if we do this. We want God with us. But as we will see, although he tells Israel that he's coming, it won't be an easy thing. You see, when the president comes, you need to get ready. Not just get things clean, but you need to be aware of the dangers. There are boundaries. There are soldiers. They have guns. There are protocols. Stand like this when you talk to him. You might cause offence, and that will have implications. In fact, Jeff, on one of his emails, said, please pray for me because I have a habit of sticking my foot in my mouth. And I think he's right. So pray for him when the president visits. The Lord says he's coming on the third day. Get ready, wash your clothes, be pure. He actually says no sex because this is a time to focus. This is like a sexual fast. It's like they need to put up a big sign saying, Beware, the Lord is visiting. Verse 12, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. The barricades say no entry. This is God's space. It's like going down to the electricity substations. Enter at your own risk. Now, the president said that he would be there at 8.30, but because they play all these secret service games, he turned up at 6.30. So anyone looking to knock him off would be thrown. The school kids, however, were ready. The barricades were in place. The security clearances had all been done. And you can just imagine it. The president's coming in the distance. You're waiting for 8.30, but actually in the distance, he is... And you look, and there's five helicopters, big helicopters. It gets nearer. There's dust. There's wind. There's noise. It's a bit terrifying. They, Soldiers jump out. And they're looking everywhere. They lay red carpet and then the president come forth and all the soldiers and all the secret service officers following him have their eyes peeled and then the kids start singing. Oh, welcome Mr. President. We're so glad to see you. <laughs> it's Emmanuelic and it is fearsome and it is awesome because this is a big deal when the president pays a visit. When God comes to his treasured possession, do we imagine sweet music, peace and calm, soft words and warm embrace? When God comes, when you have Emmanuel, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain. <laughs> 
and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, thunder and lightning and this horn because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billowed up from it like the smoke of a furnace. And And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. It is sheer terror. The mountain has become like a volcano screaming in a horn with thunder and lightning. You go near, you will perish. You cannot just walk up that mountain. God must invite, God must make the way up that mountain. And Moses alone is invited up. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. This is the message. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Nobody's singing, what a friend we have in Yahweh. What a jolly guy is he. Stay away. You are facing the terror of God's transcendence, his holiness and glory. Moses in response, like Moses said, but Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourselves warned us. Like I've told them everything already. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart. It's like we've done that, Lord. And the Lord replied to Moses, you go down and you bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, just in case you didn't know, don't go near We cannot presume intimacy with God and just walk straight into his presence. For he is God. The Lord God appeared to the prophet Isaiah in the days of the temple when he was serving as a priest. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim and each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces and two they covered their feet. What am I looking at? And with two they were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook And the temple was filled with smoke. This is a mini Sinai. The glory and awesome terror. The holiness of God. 
Isaiah's response, woe to me for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, El Presidento Eternal, the Lord Almighty. We sing this song. My God is so big, a kid's song, so strong and so mighty. We do the actions, we smile, there's nothing my God cannot do. God is so big, so we should be singing it like this. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty. There's, 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 there's nothing my God cannot do. I'll save me. God on the mountain has not changed. He does not change. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. How big is our God? Is our God as big as our imagination? As big as our preferences? As big as me? You know, despite all the pomp and ceremony when the president comes to visit or if the queen were to come and visit they are just humans like you and I. They go to the toilet. They struggle to raise their kids. They get sad. They laugh. And they cry. And they're selfish. But God, creator almighty, who gives us every breath, he turns our lives as he will. He is fearsome and holy how can we deal with, this, with Emmanuel, with God with us, if he comes? Because we certainly cannot go to him. Well, the impasse in our story is breached by a mediator. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that my people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Moses, you're the one who I will speak through. And I want them to trust what you say. You're the mediator. Verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and you, Moses, make them holy. You consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. In verse 14. And Moses, after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, Moses consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Moses is the mediator. We're not told how he consecrated them here in this passage, but we do know if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, I think. Where are my notes? Just after, no, later than that, 10 or so. Just after Israel left Israel, Egypt, before they crossed through the sea, the Lord gives Moses an instruction. He says, you know these firstborn that have been saved through the Passover who didn't perish because the animal was sacrificed? I want you to consecrate them. Set them apart as holy, the firstborn sons. And the way you're going to consecrate your sons is to offer an animal sacrifice for their sin. Blood will be shed in a sense to make them holy. Their sin will be punished in the animal as a substitute. I think it's quite likely that here at the mountain Moses was sent down to offer sacrifices for the people. To consecrate them. Moses functions as the mediator, the priest, so that they can be holy to come before the Lord. Well, so far. Because nobody can go and meet with God 
unless, like Aaron, they go with Moses. So verse 24, there's Moses the mediator. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. Only Aaron, only with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So even the priests, the holy ones, the ones that you, know, you think might be a bit, a bit more special, no way. Do not presume. Only through the mediator. This pattern at the mountain, we see it repeated throughout the Old Testament. Not long from now, the Lord's going to give instructions for making a tent, a tabernacle and a priestly system so that the Lord will dwell in this tent, this tabernacle, right in the most holy place, and the priests will be mediators, offering sacrifices for the people. The people may not go near. Only, the, only one priest once a year into the presence of God. It became the temple, it became the city of Jerusalem, the city of the Lord, a great big building, and right in the middle, the holy of holy places. And again, the priests, only the high priest once a year could go right. And they had to make sacrifices for the sin of the people to sort of express their sins being covered. This is the pattern of the Old Testament. Come near, but only so far. Stay at arm's length, because I am a holy God. <clears throat> and the, the mediators, these priests, they were so imperfect. The whole religion became corrupted. The temple became a joke. And it got judged, it got smashed. God desires to be with his people. We were made in God's image for a relationship with God. But our sin separates us. So God in his grace takes the initiative. God comes to us. God makes the way. His son takes on human flesh and crosses the divide. And God himself in Jesus takes on the role of being the perfect mediator. Isaiah prophesied about an Emmanuel child, God with us. We get to, who will be born of a virgin. We get to Matthew's gospel and that Emmanuel is Jesus. God with us. He offers himself as a righteous sacrifice to pay the price for our sin, an eternal price. In love, Jesus crosses the divide and opens the way up to life so we can be with God. If we trust in him, if we go with him as our mediator, we can be reconciled, we can be with God, Emmanuel. There's God in his holiness, us in our imperfection, and Jesus, the mediator, bringing us together. Paying the price for our sin. The writer to the Hebrews really says this so well. Using Old Testament language, he, Switch has been studying. Switch, our Switch kids will be expert on this. Hebrews chapter 10. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, oh, which can never take away sins. Imperfect. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for one time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, one suitable sacrifice made in my blood. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice, his own life, he has made perfect forever those who are being consecrated, made holy. 
to read on in Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, our priest, our mediator, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, holy in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the mountain they washed their clothes and they still couldn't go forward. They weren't righteous. You know, we sing this funny song every now and then. Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. It's a weird song, but it's what it's all about. Jesus, your blood and righteousness is my beauty. It's what I'm wearing. It's my glorious dress. Even mid-flaming worlds, even in the chaos and the horror of God's holiness, in these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. With joy shall I lift up my head. Jesus, your blood and righteousness are my dress, my beauty before a holy God. So let us approach God's throne with confidence. Jesus for us, covered by his righteousness, so that we can belong and know our place in God's family. And so in Christ, yes, we fear God, because he is awesome. We fear, his, fear him in awe and wonder. We fear him in his majesty and glory. He has not changed. He is still so big. But we do not fear him in terror. We do not fear lest he break out against us. We come to him with confidence and joy in Christ. Hebrews makes reference again a bit further on to Exodus 19. To two mountains. To the imperfect mountain, Mount Sinai. You have not come, if you're in Christ, you, you're not, we're not there in Exodus 19. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm. We have not come to that trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it will be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that most said, I'm trembling with fear. Now, that's not our mountain. But you have come to Mount Zion, which is the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, God's people gathered in God's city eternal. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the gathering or the church of the firstborn, those whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, Emmanuel, the judge of all, with confidence. You've come to the spirit of those who are righteous, made perfect, those washed in Jesus' blood. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, to blood that cleanses us. 
Jesus is better than Moses. The gospel is better than the law. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. So what do you do with Jesus? He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the mediator. And so this question, it really raises the issue of preparing to meet your God. Or as we say, he's gone to meet his maker. The Bible is unequivocal. One day we will all appear before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day we will all have to give an account for the lives we have lived in this world, in these bodies. And so will that day be one of terror as you stand clothed in your washed clothes, the ones that you've washed yourselves? Will it be a Sinai experience with the prospect of judgment? Because you are now, the barrier's gone, you are now with God. Or will it be a day of confidence and embrace as we stand clothed in the righteousness of our Lord and Saviour Jesus and approach the throne of God with confidence and find our place in his family, belonging in Christ? What will, what will it mean come Christmas when you sing Emmanuel again? Confidence or a foolish claim to intimacy? Our hope is faith in Jesus, our mediator, who has opened up the way that we can fulfill our created purpose and know the God who made us. Let me pray. Father, help us to follow you to trust in Jesus and to do that every day. Amen.